Okay. Wait, what is this? What are we on? We're on the grand gesture. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's like eleven o'clock where you are. Wake up, man. No, no, no I know. It just uh, all these podcasts. That's fine. I'm sorry. I'm I'm done. Okay, so you're, you're not done. What? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Listen, don't worry about it. I will not open the door to Marcus again, okay? I'll be glad to be rid of the pair of you, frankly. Go on, bugger off. Sorry. So that's it, is it? You're just out of his life, like that? Excuse me? Well, let's say you're right and I'm wrong. Let's say there's this whole world going on for Marcus that I don't understand and somehow, miraculously, you do. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do anything. It's none of my business. Oh, God, you're a selfish bastard. That's what I keep telling him. <laughs> he always puts himself first. But I'm on my own. It's it's just me. I'm not putting myself first because there's nobody else. Yes, yes, there is. There's Marcus. You're involved now. He keeps coming around your bloody house. I, I understand you've come into his life for a reason. And you can't just shut him out. You can't shut life out. No man is an island. She's right, you know. Yeah, she is. No, she's not. She's wrong. Some men are islands. I'm a bloody island. I'm bloody Ibiza. What are you talking about? I have too many shows. I thought Grand, Gesture, I thought Grand Gesture was specific to, like, one movie. It, these are two two separate episodes, Web. You are on our two Christmas special episodes. We're just recording them together. Oh, not comparing okay. them. Because Mike enjoys pain, he thought, let's bring Web on for these Christmas episodes. It'll be well, okay. Admittedly, I have no reason to bring Web on for four Christmases. About a boy, I did really want to talk to Web just because it has that sort of collector's mentality to it, the character. So I'm like, okay, Web, this will be good. Four yeah. Christmases, that's just a package deal. You got, I was, <laughs> you're on one just, Christmas You got episode. shit on on that one. That's, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, about a boy. Let's do it. Um, nine minutes of bullshit of thanking Webb for Christmas gifts. Well, that's all nonsense. Don't Gives need that. I, I, I enjoy it. Gratitude. What a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I hate it. All right. So welcome to another episode of the grand gesture. And, uh, for this being, I guess, part one of two of our Christmas specials, uh, I'm going to go ahead and admit that my co-host Dave picked this one. Because we were like, all right, let's pick a couple Christmas movies. <laughs> I think we went through a list, and there weren't as many as yeah. we thought there would be for for this type of format. I guess you could go and, to like, and even after narrowing it down, I was like, no, no, yeah, that won't work. That <laughs> I won't hate work. No, all those movies. <laughs> which is what happened with the our second Christmas special, which I'm going to save for <laughs> Christmas Day, which they I picked, do. and. It, I don't think Dave enjoyed himself, so it's a Merry Christmas to me. That worked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately for Dave, the subject of this episode is About a Boy, which is a film that I really do like and had seen uh, multiple times. But our guest, Webb, who yep. I don't think you have ever been on a released episode of The Grand Gesture. We did one episode on Hellboy that <laughs> has never been released. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, that's it, all right. Well, that, well, you guys were stretching the movie into a genre. I was like, I don't think this really goes well, I'm, there. I'm, I'm sorry. There's no well, grand gesture of sorry, facing down just, hell itself for the woman expected, you love. We expected too much of our guest, I think, in that episode. There's only so much you can do. It's fine. Yeah, no, that, that's true. I didn't come at it with, with the, like, I guess, level of enthusiasm. And I love Del Toro. I really do. But, man... 
the hell those Hellboy movies just aren't my cup of tea, and I, I can't quite. Let's not spoil why. it because it is unreleased. But it uh, will uh, it will be released whenever they bring out this new Hellboy, which I think keeps getting delayed like yeah. <laughs> every few months, much okay. like our episodes web. This one though, <laughs> it's tied to a holiday. We have to release it during the right. holiday season about a boy. And the main reason I wanted you to come on and talk about this with us is that it may not be your life now, but yeah. I, I could definitely see a previous version of Webb being the Hugh Grant character of Will in this film, who is, uh, I think as we open, he's proudly proclaiming himself to be an island. He's like his own yes. functioning island of pop culture and just consuming pop culture while also hating the pop culture that has allowed this lifestyle to happen. Now you don't have that. As far as I know, you don't have a father that wrote a Christmas jingle and you're just buying Blu-rays Ooh. and you wish, right? <laughs> if I oh, I absolutely. Absolutely. I wish I had that. Well, you, and you know what? Here's the thing. And, and I, I, yeah, let's just get into this film. Um, I absolutely hated this Will Grant, uh, Hugh Grant character. Uh, I right love off that the... I set it up that I'm bringing on a guy who's just like him. Thank you. <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I was immediately turned off by, and and because you're turned off by the central character, you don't get into the film as much. I mean, sometimes you're meant, you know. Obviously, I think that there's an arc to uh, the character, and, and you're going on this journey with him. But right off the bat, I was like so unhappy, and absolutely, you you hit the nail on the head. It's like this is absolutely a version of myself that I now look back on. I was like, oh god, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and the the philosophies that he is. Uh, implementing for his life. I was like, no, that's, that's kind of what, you know, the same things that I was doing as well. Um, and to some extent I have changed, but it absolutely was. And so it took me, I went on a journey in this film the same <laughs> way uh, that uh, Grant did like his character. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm actually very happy that you, and I can't wait to show more people this film now because it, I feel like it's one that just, uh, uh, Again, maybe because I didn't pay attention to it, but it just kind of came and went and doesn't get uh, mentioned with the same regard as uh, uh, some of the other um, classics, I guess, of its genre. Like I, I, feel I like, did not. Um, I don't know about YouTube. But I feel like High Fidelity has had more yeah. legs uh, yep. than this one, as far as the the Nick uh, Hornby, yeah, Nick Hornby novels that have been um, translated. Did either one of you see Juliet Naked this year? Which I really dug. Not yet. Yeah. No, but it's on the list though. All right, so just so, I'll hey. just continue to hate both of you then. Like yeah. you know, I thought, <laughs> we're, thought we were going to be simpatico here. We are not clearly. I don't know. I don't, I feel like this one. I don't know if it's the British thing or just Hugh Grant in particular being maybe too good at being an asshole. Because from everything I've read he about him, good. Really I, from good. what I've read is that he's kind of this dick in real life as well. I think uh, John Stewart is on record saying he's the worst Daily Show guest they yep, ever had. That's right. Yep. Whoa. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like, you know, he's not um, like a great Vince Vaughn who plays an asshole, but oh, everyone loves, Jesus right? Christ. Coming to <laughs> Grand Jester it's... Christmas Part 2 in a week or so. <laughs> See, it's so interesting that this was Webb's reaction that he was like, oh, God, I hate this guy. Because I've gone on record more than once, I think, on different podcasts about this movie that this was the first time I ever liked Hugh Grant. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because before this, I mean, he was kind of the kind of 
foppish romantic lead that was just kind of playing the nice guy in in a lot of movies and i was like oh god who cares i'm not interested that's boring anyone can do that i'm not interested and then this movie came out and i saw it and yeah he's a total prick he's an asshole yeah. but he's really good at it and i think he's really funny in this movie and granted it is all about him changing but like i mean i was on board <laughs> i don't know what this says about me but i was on board with his character from from the moment he he can't deal with with being a godparent, and I just love his his honesty about that. That like, no, this is a really bad idea. What are you doing? Like, instead of just go a little with go it, a little further just, than that, Dave, because he he does well, yeah. go a little further. He, he says why it's a bad idea. <laughs> that he may eventually sleep may with this child. Sleep <laughs> with but he did say once she turns eighteen. So you know, <laughs> there's he that. makes it legal, but not less creepy. No, really. <laughs> Weirdly more creepy. Like, yeah. I'm just going to lie and wait. <laughs> for 18 <laughs> years. <laughs> so I have a question for the two of you then for the setup of this show where we do a meet cute uh, breakup and then, of course, the grand gesture. What is the, what's the meet cute for either one of you? Because I, I have my own, but I think you could go a couple different ways, maybe a few different ways with this one as far as what relationship you decide to focus on and the sort of romantic element of it. Not, not Dave's. With this eighteen-year-old uh, that we don't actually see, but <laughs> well, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Dave. Well, I, I think the central relationship is definitely um, uh, Beast and and uh, Beast Nicole. Nicole is it Nicole. <laughs> at, at least at least call him Beast Boy here. Yeah, you can cross <laughs> over. Well, Beast Boy is completely. See here, we, I knew nerd. it. I was like, oh, DC, he's a Teen Titan, sir. How we can't do that. <laughs> Well, now that now that you know Beast Boy has been on a, a theatrical release, I feel even though nobody saw it. Oh God, I'm bored already. Move on. <laughs> all right, all right. The, the relationship that I chose to focus on was uh, Nick Holt and um, Hugh Grant's character. Uh, I it, it's I think without that, you've got you know Rachel Wise, Tony Collette, um, but the, the, it it feels like they're in pat almost. They're very secondary, and they wouldn't be there without uh, um, the him and his uh, the child. So I felt like they were the uh, key relationship, and I, I, I feel like I'm not wrong. What do you guys think? I mean, I will I will always focus on Rachel Vice uh, because she's Rachel Vice. So that's that's, that's what I'm. And more you will also in. always okay. say Webb is wrong too. So. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> I win on both <laughs> on both metrics. There, yeah, absolutely. So, what is the be cute with with him and the kid? Like killing the duck? I mean, is that is absolutely that, uh, yes, absolutely yeah? <laughs> yeah there, there's no way around that. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Adorable. I think it's the. Uh... It's the first time that the kid acknowledges him as like a, a person and not just like this thing on the yeah. periphery, right? Where it's like, if, if the setup of the, of the movie is that everyone is their own island, uh, it's the first time this kid sees maybe some sort of avenue that he can help his mom. And it, I, I actually kind of like this meet cute because after this kid throws this horrifically hard and weighty loaf of bread at this duck. Um, I don't think he meant to murder it, but I also can't imagine he meant to feed it with that thing either. Um, you have the Hugh Grant character, uh, lie for him with the, I don't know. What is this? Like a it's weird London park ranger park yeah. ranger that comes, I don't know, like covers for him. And the, what I like about the scene is that the woman that he's trying to screw by having this, like, he's a fake single parent, 
is like kind of appalled by it, appalled that he would lie, which actually like is a huge turnoff for me with this secondary character. If I'm Hugh Grant, because I'm, I actually do side with beast slash boy, the boy version of beast. <laughs> and then it was kind of smooth. And it's like, it does, it did seem to me fatherly in a way. That's like, you know, it's just, she want the kid to get like cited for. Yes. For like what ducks? is your like, end game here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not even your kid. You're just like trying to get him in trouble with, well, I guess what goes for the law in this park. Like, just let him get away with this. It's, it's a duck, but it's, Jesus. it's a pretty good sign to our character will that if she doesn't like that little white lie to save a child, she's not <laughs> going to like you making well. up the fact that you have a child just so you can sleep with single women, single parents. <laughs> So I like I that. Me too. went to the effort. I mean, that's a lot of effort to go to. She should, she should be happy with that personally. I think that that's kind of like the the whole theme of the movie, right? Is that you just gradually see him putting in more effort mm-hmm. into anything, <laughs> even if it is to just like, fuck. I women. mean, his whole <laughs> his whole thing is like I do nothing. That's what's interesting about. Yeah. Me. So yeah, that really is his journey. Is even it's not necessarily like oh get a job, do this, do that, but just care. Just give an effort about someone other than you on your on your island. But I also kind of agree with Dave because the, the note I did have on the meet cue because I didn't know I didn't know which way it would go if we would focus on boy mm-hmm. or the actual romantic relationship. I agree with Webb that without the boy version of Beast, there is no <laughs> Rachel Weiss. But it's it's a scene that stuck with me. I, I watched this, good God, theatrically like sixteen years ago, and I think, I think it came out around the time of like attack of the clones i feel like it was in that same like month and it felt like such a right such a weird yeah. summer release too i'm like this was probably a mistake <laughs> this is <laughs> put this out in september or something in the fall um now i'm sure i was dragging some poor girl to be like no come on the new nick cornby adaptations out like i go see it <laughs> the who <laughs> Because also like a freak, I, I had read this book before before the movie, and so um, if you have not, I would recommend if you like this movie checking out the book. Because it is the third act is entirely different, and the Ooh, girl yeah. given Nick Hornby that that yeah that doesn't surprise me too much. <laughs> it is set, I believe, in ninety four ninety five. It's set around the time Kurt Cobain commits suicide because the music that little Marcus here. Uh, gets inspired by is Nirvana and the girl he has a crush on is really big into Nirvana. And the, basically the entire third of the book is about his relationship with this girl he has a crush on and how teenagers deal with like their pop idols, like being human basically. It's so that's a totally different, totally wow, different they, read on it. The movie so, yeah. really, with, with the, <laughs> Nirvana to mystical, they really went a different way with it. Holy cow. No, that was that was the least judgy way you could put you could put that. They went a different way. <laughs> Gee, I Willikers. Mean, I, don't, I don't know, but it's like wow, it was really uh, indicative of some negative attitudes there. Even, even before even before I found that out, I was like, mystical. You want to introduce this kid to rap through mystical? I, I thought the like, setup nomadic? for that particular meet cute was just so he could be accused of uh telling a teenage girl to shake her ass i was like oh that's the only reason right that's all we just want that one one gag yeah. uh kurt cobain suicide not so much a gag in the book so a little more meaty there but the scene that stuck out with me even upon like if i'd never watched this again is the scene where hugh grant meets rachel weiss and he's having a pleasant flirty conversation with her mm-hmm. i believe it is around the holidays, isn't it? I think it's mm-hmm. a, like some sort of like Christmas like party, like pre. It's it's New Year's, right? Because they Is they, share a, they oh. share a kiss at the at midnight, right? Okay. 
You may be right. You're ruining this Christmas thing. So Christmas is with Tony Collette and the awful family. <laughs> yes. Not nearly yes. as sexy. Yeah. Uh, a but little during, less. <laughs> during, well, yeah, maybe, I guess. <laughs> Whatever you're into. <laughs> sure. Uh, during this conversation in his voiceover, it's like he realizes he's about to lose her. When she starts to ask just the most generic question of what do you do? And he attempts honesty. On New Year's Eve, I met Rachel. She was interesting and smart and attractive. And for about five minutes, I had her convinced that I was too. Things like, well, physical events. Yeah. You, um, okay. <laughs> in television. Am I in television? Mm-hmm. No. No, no, everyone else is in television. Yeah. I, um, I watch television. I right, so you're more in front of it than in it. In it, yeah. In it, yeah. Inside it, yeah. It was torture. For five minutes, I realized what life would be like if I were in any way interesting. If I had anything to say for myself, if I did anything. But I didn't do anything. And in about 30 seconds, she'd know, and she'd be gone like a shot. So, what do you do? Well, I'm sort of, um, taking a bit of time off at the moment. Sounds good, yeah. (laughs) Time off from what? Well, to be absolutely honest, um, time off from from time off. In fact, the uh, interesting thing about me is I don't actually do anything. You don't do anything. Actually, no. Nothing. No. Nope. Wow. That's um. Now, Rachel, darling. Yeah. East Coast or West Coast rap? Oh, God, I have absolutely... There. She was gone. There was no more to say. All rap music sounds exactly the same to me. Or was that? It does. I tell you what, I know a 12-year-old who'd kill you for saying that. Really? Yeah. So do I come to that. Are you? Yeah. What's yours called? Mine? Mm-hmm. Everybody... Mine's Ali. Alistair. And there it was. It wasn't a lie. It was 100% her assumption. Well, 50% at the very least. I was in fantasy land again. But this time it was different. Spat was for fun. This was serious. I acted in self-defense. We arranged to get our lads together, which means we arranged for us to get together. Single parents, alone together. I was in deep trouble. And there was only one person who could help me. And it's like the first time he's like even verbalized to himself, like, hey, when the way this sounds is like I am like nothing. Like I am contributing nothing Mm -hmm. to the world. And it's something that when we started the film, he is proud of. As far as yeah. like, I've got it all together, I'm doing and this I'm I'm the right way. And I, that scene is like, it's funny because it's the first time I actually like probably felt for this guy who mainly is just kind of like <laughs> a fuck boy, I guess. He's just like, you just <laughs> watch him fuck around. Yes. And But when, in this moment, I'm like, oh shit. Because it's like, he did attempt honesty there and it's all it's going to do is just going to screw him. <laughs> I think the film makes a brave decision to be like, go back to lying. Quick, quick, we got to lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Well, he does use, you know, some kernel of truth, but like he uses the most interesting oh, thing about you, him. I never him. actually said he was my son. <laughs> <laughs> I just said I have also, a boy in my life. You just got the wrong end. Uh. <laughs> on, I know, but on that note, if we're still doing the comparison, I was not much of a fuckboy. <laughs> like, that is the one aspect of his life that I couldn't relate to. And I guess, unfortunately... Come on, Webb, that's the good part. That's, <laughs> that's you know, or a wank boy, I guess. Like, uh, like John Cusack, alphabetizing your you know, monster movie collection. That's not the part that's... you want to tell our listeners. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Look how excited he got. <laughs> if we're embracing honesty oh. the way Will does, eventually. <laughs> Just saying. So was that the meet cute for you, Dave, as well? That awkward yeah, conversation? Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, the... The meet cute is the the flirty conversation at the beginning, and then I kind of love how quickly it moves from that to in his kind of, you know, internal monologue. He knows where this is going, and for once, he's embarrassed by it, as he probably should be as an adult who's really never done anything with his life. Whereas you mentioned before, he was like, yeah, this is great. I get to live my own life. I get money from this. You know, I I guess I got to deal with people singing that stupid song, but that's like the worst thing going on in my life where now after he meets this person he you know you can almost see him propelling himself forward in time like this is someone i could be with this is someone i could spend time with she's perfect she's amazing as you know people are when you first meet them and you have that flirty conversation and for the first time maybe in his life maybe since he was a kid it matters that he hasn't done anything and he realizes he doesn't really measure up to this perfect person that he's just met and realizes like but I've spent so much time lying and that's gotten me in trouble. So he's really kind of, you do kind of feel bad for him for once. And he's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. If he tells the truth, he does nothing and it's shameful. And if he lies, he's lying again. And he's starting off this maybe relationship off on definitely the wrong foot. Other than the romantic aspect of it, if we don't introduce this character, do we care if he has this lifestyle because i think of something like office space where the ron livingston character that's the dream is i want to do nothing and you're like rooting for him you're like yes that sounds great well the viewpoint is also from you know it it comes from a completely different area where he's kind of looking to get away from the mundane and he hates that whereas with hugh grant uh what will here he 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 loves that specific life. So I, I mean, mean, his his lifestyle of nothing is pretty mundane. Where he's he sets aside every day a half hour to watch like a game show. It's like, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's he's not living the like Instagram model lifestyle of like I'm wealthy and I don't have to report to a job, so I travel all the time. He's he's making an appointment right. television at four o'clock to watch like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not really that glorious. But I think well, I kind of dig it. I think I kind of versus like it. the banality <laughs> versus the banality of you know um, in its in tech in its tech. I don't remember the yeah. I uh, got it. In tech. Yeah. Don't fake like you don't know web. Then I'm transforming right back to Will in the beginning, um, <laughs> which is what we want well, you to do. Just just be who you are. <laughs> just stop lying to yourself. <laughs> I I you're, you're right. Rachel Weisz's introduction absolutely is the catalyst. Uh, that kind of has the, he, when he has that realization. So. No, that's, that's a good meet cute up as uh, as well. You can yeah. just say it, Dave. You're right. It's fine. Just hey, remember that there, time right? Dave never no. seen Vertigo? Remember that? Like that was great. <laughs> remember when <laughs> I got paid? That. Remember when I got paid to watch Vertigo? Remember that? 
<laughs> that was such a weird, uh, you're on a movie podcast, knife fight. Like, you remember that time, Dave, you'd never seen Vertigo? <laughs> you worthless human. Uh, we should do Vertigo again for this for this one. That has a pretty <laughs> damn good grand gesture in it. Um, Absolutely. A few yeah, of them. It's grand. All right, so we're not there yet. The breakup here. So I, I had two different ones, and they're about four minutes, five minutes apart. Uh, the breakup with Rachel and Marcus. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that the breakup with the former is what <laughs> causes Will to say, you know what? I don't need this kid in my life anymore. But it's not done in the way you would expect. It's not done that he's like, oh, you're no longer like a, a pawn in my little <laughs> you're game. You're no longer necessary. Right? I feel like he... Um, He's doing it because he he feels he does as Dave said he feels some actual shame about his life, That's and nice. the breakup I actually prefer the breakup he has with Marcus. Mom's at it again. Uh, what? Sorry. What do you mean what? The crying. She just sits in the house all day crying. She does it in the mornings too. Mhm. It's as bad now as it was before the dead duck day. Marcus, I'm, lo- I'm sorry, mate. I'm, um, a bit busy at the moment. You're busy? Doing what? Didn't you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. I heard you. What do you want me to do about it? I don't know. You could talk to her. Oh, yeah? And what would I say? I don't know. Well, why would she listen to me? Who am I to her? I'm nobody. You're not nobody. You're... Who? Who do you think I am? Who do you think you are? You come here uninvited, you disrupt my life, you screw things up. What do you want from me, Marcus? This isn't my problem. I'm not your family, mate. I'm not. I'm not your uncle. I'm not your big brother. And I think we've established pretty firmly now I'm not your father either, am I? But... i tell you what I am. I'm the guy who's really good at choosing trainers or records, okay? That's it. I can't help you with real things. I can't help you with anything that means anything. Basically saying, stay away from me and do not, like, envy my position in the world. Do not try to be like me. And I, I think that one works a lot. The, the one with, you know, his love interest, where he, he tries to defend and deflect, like, well, it was mainly you that kind of made up this story. Oh, right. You're she, a bad listener. It's really what But you know what? For for a romantic comedy, they actually kind of play that one very real, where she just, uh-huh. like, it, she doesn't freak out. She doesn't throw anything no. in face. She just sort of yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, I'm the one who just so desperately wanted you, this guy that was kind of cute, to have a child. Because that's I want to make that up for this, like, fancy version <laughs> of this life. <laughs> it kind of puts him in right. his place. Uh, checkmated pretty easily by her. Which, uh, which breakup did you all like? Or do you like both? I liked, well, I liked the one with Marcus, uh, well, because that's the relationship that I wanted to focus on. Uh, As usual. But, grown yeah, man, well, small boy. Focusing on the relationship <laughs> with the young boy. Great web. At least Dave has the decency to wait for this baby to, until it's 18. <laughs> that's right. You're just going after this 12-year-old kid. That's That's nice. <laughs> Well, knowing that he's going to be beast is exciting to me. Well, uh, <laughs> the reason that I like it, and and it could not have happened without uh, uh, Rachel Wise's character. Yeah, she her name is Rachel in the movie too. Um, it's because it's coming from such an emotional place, and we've never seen Will be affected that much 
uh, and seeing him as emotional, um, I think, in the movie uh, until that time. And so I like the fact that Rachel and, and Will's uh, relationship, uh, the breakup happens, and that follows right into his, the one with Marcus. And and I think it's easy to be like, oh, well, yeah, you're right. He doesn't need him anymore. But it's coming from a much uh, a more honest place. And so I did like his breakup with Marcus a little more because of that. But again, couldn't have happened without Rachel. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the breakup um, with Marcus is probably the the more affecting because, as you mentioned, Mike, they really do play down that breakup with Rachel, like because that's and it fits her character. She's she doesn't seem like someone who's going to kind of lose it on him. She's just like, okay, then this is over. Like you lied to me, and we're done here. Whereas when when he has this, you know, breakup with with Marcus, it's it's affecting because he's at his lowest point. And he's finally really realizing, whether it's true or not, that he feels worthless and he has nothing to offer. So I think he's actually ending this relationship with Marcus for the right reasons. He really does believe that he has nothing to offer and that, if anything, he's damaging this kid. And, you know, all he can do is maybe teach him how to be a little bit cooler, listen to better music, you know, wear better clothes. But that's not that's not a parental relationship and that's not who he is and he's not ready for that. And he's kind of, I mean, he's kind of a broken man at this point. Like everything he's tried has kind of gone wrong. And because he has created his life as this Island, he literally has nothing to fall back on, but he's at least honorable enough to not try and drag a bunch of other people down with him. He does look at his relationship with Marcus. I think when he initially buys him the trainers, yes, that he has that thought in his head. He's like, you know, this, this only cost me, you know, 50 bucks or whatever, and I've made him happy. Done and yeah. done. Like, in a, it, <laughs> yeah. like I when we initially were setting up this episode, I'm like, yeah, I think there's there's Christmas, but there's a lot of time that passes in that. I'm like, so is it really a Christmas yeah. movie? But it was the idea of buying off unhappiness in that way mm-hmm. that I'm like, wow, yeah. And especially I'd forgotten so much about how how much Will was. You know, he has the guitar just for, for looks, which yeah. I even think – I even like that, and I'll, I'll go – back to web here to, so you can get in your thought before we get to the grand gesture. I like that the setup for that is he's even questioned like <laughs> by this child, like, do you just have that around just to look cool? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. But <laughs> for the grand gesture, at the very least he, he can play a little bit more guitar than I can. Like just you yes. know, on a whim, yeah. I can't show up. If someone told me in some sort of weird scenario, Hey, there's this 12 year old boy that you're not related to that has been coming around your house, hanging out. <laughs> Uh, helping you with podcasts, and he's going to embarrass himself at the school talent <laughs> show. You need to get up there and you need to play a song and guitar uh, that you're not prepared for. Right. Give Will a little bit of credit. Or he's creepy no, that he knows how to play that on guitar. I, I think Mike would be like, that kid needs to be embarrassed. He needs to learn. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> learn that hard lesson. I'll be at We're home. going back to the book. <laughs> No, I'm glad that you guys mentioned all the I'm we're totally in sync here. Uh that was absolutely his like knee jerk parenting advice uh when he saw that these kids are picking on him. He's like, Cause you gotta get some new kicks, son. And so he goes out, he's like, Oh, if you get I would <laughs> this on Letterboxd, the the rating would go up if there was a line delivery like that from Hugh Grant to get some <laughs> kicks, son. <laughs> I would yeah, that was the only thing that would make this movie even better. <laughs> And and, and I I wish that they would kind of go back. That's one thing I didn't like about uh, uh, this this sequence of events is that you don't get to see his reaction to his terrible parenting advice. Like if he gets new shoes, these kids will stop picking on him. 
and the, they they get uh, his shoes get stolen, and so there's a the bullying is much more systemic, and we never really kind of get back to it. And I know it's not the point of the movie, but still, it does. But I'm at like, the very least, it does bring Tony Collette back yeah. into his life. Like I don't think I don't know if it's ever verbalized. This is what's happened to him, but that that's how she realizes that her child has developed a relationship with this. <laughs> strange guy who was briefly in her life as the guy mm-hmm. that was trying to sleep with her friend under <laughs> yeah. know, dubious circumstances. Uh, I really like Tony Collette here. I, I, yeah. I really like Tony yeah. Collette in just about anything. Uh, even even uh, hereditary. I was about to say even hereditary, which <laughs> apparently me and Webb are going against film Twitter and being like, yeah, kind of yeah. stupid, kind of stupid, <laughs> honestly, but <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a credit to her. That as a, yeah. I'm sort of thinking end of the year stuff, I'm like, was she like, would she be my like best actress pick this year for a movie I didn't even really care for? And I think it would be. So that's totally a credit to her. She has a very thankless role here in a comedy where she's not the love interest. She's sort of made fun of by her lead character. And I think to some degree, <laughs> the audience for the way she dresses, yeah. you do feel angry about her, about like Will sending her son out to the wolves to school and sort of being unaware or unreasonable in her positivity about how other people will react to certain things, like the way he dresses. She's like, well, why would they make fun of him? And it's like, what? come on, you went to school before. You have to like get back to that place. <laughs> you know you're right. weird. Come yeah. on. <laughs> He calls her a daft hippie, and I loved it. <laughs> well, uh, I love the scene where they're on their way to the grand gesture, where he's going to step in and try to stop this, where he says, you're not a bad mother, you're just a barking lunatic. And it's like, he says it with like, <laughs> and there's as much, some, there's, there's as kindness much, in that. As much like, love and compassion when he's like so annoyed with her as he can, yeah. because she doesn't react to him like, she doesn't come back at him. Like, they're both like, they're speaking in this code of, <laughs> we're, we're both looking out for this child and yeah, I'm gonna call you a lunatic, but it's only to like make you realize to come to terms with the fact that this is in his best interest. She's, she, but she's really good. She's really good. She makes us a fully formed character and not just like a joke or a bit of like exposition to force this awkward relationship between this grown man, and this child. Definitely. Dave, you have nothing on, I thought you were gonna come in cause you were well, scowling was, about our hereditary hatred. So I thought at the very least you'd be like Tony Collette for president or something. I was distancing myself from, from that. Like, <laughs> no, that's not me. Um, I think, I think like you mentioned, it's, it's one of those roles that if you cast a lesser actress, like this is horrifically bad. Like this yeah. is a joke and it's a joke made about a woman who's suicidal. Uh, so that's super uncomfortable. Um, but given the fact that you have Tony Collette here, it somehow really works. Like she is just, she's just a well-meaning lunatic. Like she just like, she probably, you know, is, is not the best equipped to be a parent for this kid who is really kind of struggling, especially with relationships at school and everything going on. And because she is so, she's got so many other issues, like Marcus doesn't even really want to bring it up to her. And, and that's essentially one of the big themes of the movie is that no matter how you set up family two just isn't quite enough. Like with, Because if one person falls down, then the other person has to pick them up and they have no one to support them. And this is all about this kid just desperately seeking some form of support, even if it's from this idiot who tries to live on an island, like just like I need someone that I can sit down with and watch this stupid game show with. And I don't have to worry that I'm going to find a suicide note over breakfast. You know, like I just there's a, a great little bit moment of a- where 
uh, Will attempts to, and and <laughs> little Beast Boy, the boy that will be Beast, uh, realizes he can tell like Will doesn't want to talk about my mom's suicide yeah. attempt. He doesn't want to, but he feels like he has to, and I really wish he wouldn't. But then it turns where the kid wants to not talk about it, and Will just says, "I think he just says fucking hell." Like he's like, "I have no words for this. I have no idea how you are dealing with this situation," and that is really comforting to this child that he's he, of all the things that will will try to lie about. Like he's pretty honest with this kid and he doesn't actually try to play an adult parental figure with him in that mm-hmm. way where he's like, well, son, here's, you know, what your mom's going through. Here's the, it will get better. He just says fucking hell. Like, <laughs> and it shows yeah. this kid that his pain is worth something, that mm-hmm. this is something that even an adult can't handle. And, you know, sometimes when someone's going through that, whether it's a kid or whether it's another adult, it's not your job to make it okay. It's your job to make it valid and to just be like, wow, that's horrible. I don't know how you're dealing with that. But and essentially just by saying those two words, that's what he's telling him is I don't know how you're dealing with this. But like at some level, it's kind of impressive, especially as a kid that you're just still functioning. You're still going to school. You're still go at least going through the motions because this is an awful thing. That just happened. But, you know, Will can't say that. So he just says fucking hell because See, that's really that's I thought that's what express it. Webb and I were doing with Hereditary. We're like, look, that's an awful thing. But yeah. we will we will validate Tony Collette's performance in, in yeah. that, that movie. <laughs> well, there to follow up on your point about the family support. One thing I'm glad the film does is that it never defines family as like, oh, it has to be a mother and father and child or anyway. And I love that by the end of it, it's a bunch of different people from different families, like supporting each other. And and there's the unit is never defined. And I like that a lot. Now, that was the uh, death penalty crew with murder for life. Our next big act is Marcus Brewer singing Roberta Flack's beloved Killing Me Softly. To be accompanied by Simon Cosgrove on the recorder. Marcus, I can't do this. That looks going to shit all over us. But you said. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, here's your five quid back. Any moment now. Wait, wait, wait. Excuse me. What is going on here? Nothing. Everything's under control. I'm just uh, his voice coach. What are you doing here? I heard you were about to commit social suicide, so I thought I'd just drop by, you know. I can't just left. That's brilliant, then you don't have to do it. I can't do that. Yeah, you can. Just, you know, tell him artistic differences. You can't work without him. He had a drug problem. It's easy. My mum wants me to sing it. It'll make her happy. Look, Marcus, mate. Nothing you do can make your mum happy, all right? I mean... Not in the long term. She has to do that for herself. Get over here right now. Yes, bugger off, will you? What I'm saying is, the important thing is, is to make yourself feel happy. I've tried just making myself happy. She's tried making herself happy. But it doesn't work. You need other people to make you happy. That's just it. If other people can make you happy, then they can also make you unhappy. What, you think those people out there are going to make you happy? Hang on, wait. Mark's day. Mark. So we get to our grand gesture, which, as I mentioned, uh, will will step on stage. He will allow himself to be publicly mm-hmm. shamed, which he's been doing a lot of himself in private. Uh, but 
I think that the biggest sin, uh, he, as he states, is he's singing with Close his eyes closed. His eyes. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, Never it's, take your eye off those monsters. You got it. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting scene because uh, I think at different There's points so they could have cut it off. There's even a sequence like during the middle of it where Marcus thinks, "Okay, we're done. Like we won the crowd back. Like yeah. they're booing me. <laughs> then you come out and you kind of make it this funny, kind of cute thing where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's like." An older guy, and then this kid singing this song. Oh, they're doing it as a joke. It's like they take ownership of it. But I think that Will allows it to go on because he just—I just don't think he knows well enough when to let it go. And he's doing this like sacrifice where it's like bombs have already gone off, but yeah. he's going to make damn well sure they're going to remember him and not Marcus. <laughs> like, like yeah. <laughs> So he keeps going, and I think but that's like, a good lesson. It's a good lesson yeah. for him. Uh, and I feel like I love the cutaways to you have Rachel Weiss, who initially is like, "Oh, that's a sweet thing to do," and then when it goes on too long, it's like, mm, "Maybe not." <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, go, I'm wondering in that moment if she's like, "Could I ever fuck this guy?" I don't know. Like that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but Tony Collette, she's all in the entire time. She just, you know, and she's they a really sell lunatic. That's yeah, of course. Yeah, and I also, I also just love kind of the the arc that that our main character goes through here. Like it's, of course, like it's it's simple, it's leading, but I think it really works for the movie. Is that you know you have that scene earlier in the movie where they're singing this song and he is just miserable. Like I cannot leave quick enough. Uh, and, and if it was it would, and if it wasn't terribly impolite to do so, he would have left as soon as they started singing, or maybe before that. Like, just get me out of the situation. So for him to do this on stage with Marcus is a big deal. Like, he's letting go of his pride. He's even letting go of like what he likes or doesn't like, or will make him seem cool, whether to Marcus or to the world. And yes, there is definitely a moment where he goes too far, and it becomes a little bit about him. But I think it's also this moment of him just kind of letting go of all that and living in the moment for once and doing something. But I think uh, in that moment, it should just be about him. If you're going out there nice. to get all the the you know the tomatoes thrown at your head or whatever. Yep. You take you take just, it all, baby. Yeah, and, and <laughs> he does. And, yeah. and so, you know, and I really like that moment that, in a weird way, even to Marcus, he, like, allows himself to be embarrassed. He allows himself to be mocked. Uh, and that's an important step for him because throughout the rest of the movie, it's all it's all this, like, I, I have to, like, you know, have this personality and have it look cool and have it look right to the rest of the world and be interesting in a way of doing nothing. And it's like, no, I'm finally going to do something for someone else even if it puts me in a bad position and that is that is where you see that this character really has grown and really done something he doesn't just show up and drag marcus off stage and be like no don't do this to yourself he tries to do that and then marcus keeps going and instead of walking away he actually braves the stage and goes out there with him and i think it's a really important and kind of moving moment have we seen can you either one of you think of a film where there's a sort of grand gesture moment where the initial like grand gesture it. is the absence of one like let's just not do anything let's Eight. not do it <laughs> and you have another character <laughs> let's run away another character a supporting character forces our hero here to actually make the grand gesture that he really really didn't want to do but because most grand gestures they're selfish in nature where someone makes a grand prop- 
proclamation, usually to their love interest in a movie. And it's something that in real life would probably be very embarrassing to the person, the target of the grand gesture. And you're doing it in front of like their coworkers, their family. And I just can't imagine in reality, like seeing a big speech where someone just says, I'm putting it all out there on the table, baby. Here's what, here's what you mean to me. And here's where I've done you wrong. Like you would feel like I shouldn't be in this room right now. Why are you doing this in front of me? Right. This time it makes sense though. This time you absolutely, you have to have that cringiness to it. Uh, the first thing I thought of was Catwoman leaving in Dark Knight Rises instead of... Oh, my God. You're arguing with me Beast about Beast Boy, and Beast Catwoman. Boy. <laughs> I'm only interested well, in superhero films. Like, I love I love that the star of the show, I pimped out an episode... Hellboy. Uh, yeah, an episode we've not released done. on Hellboy, and you're like, not really into it. And But you're like, but what I am into? Catwoman. Now, that was a great I don't gesture. like it when proper directors <laughs> try to make... So you just want bad directors like Zack Snyder. Okay, that's fine. Exactly. Exactly. I just need splash pages on screen. That's all I want. (laughs) It'll never happen again. (laughs) Dave's thinking the same thing with you in the show. (laughs) (laughs) We got at least one more to go. (laughs) So here's a a question for you, Webb. That's not... It may be. I mean, I may be walking into more superhero related material but you know, usually on this podcast we we sort of like apply that grand gesture to our life mm-hmm. so this is one i'm saying it sort of absolves itself of the cringiness by making that the point of it to embarrass oneself that's that's the mm-hmm. the aspect of it that works for our heroes that he's taking on all that embarrassment Has there been a moment like a romantic moment in your life i guess where you've like knowingly walked into like oh this is this is not going to be a good look for me, but damn it, it's worth it. Um, Don't lie at, to me. I know there should be plenty here. There's, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things my wife wanted to do at our uh, family, the wedding reception that we had, because uh, uh, we got married out of the country, and when we came back to the country, we had we put together something for the family, and so there was a little... And so she's much more like... Um, outgoing and then she has a history in dance and i do not because (laughs) that surprises me that you don't have a history with dance (laughs) i'm not classically trained by any sort of the imagination you get some of those fresh kicks son then you'll be (laughs) with dance (laughs) step up to the web (laughs) (laughs) my version of about a boy it's gonna be called about a beast boy so the <laughs> one thing she wanted to do is kind of introduce us as a couple through this dance thing, and and it's meant to be romantic. She chose the song and stuff, and I'd never heard it. And then I heard it, I was like, all right, right on, something Indian. And so while it wasn't a grand gesture in terms of um, like embarrassing myself to be part of it, like be, I guess no. You don't look at me, I think, for the most part, especially within the family, uh, and be like, "Oh, he's a really romantic soul." But I, I learned the 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 moves that my my wife wanted to. Uh, she choreographed this thing uh, relatively quickly, and I had to learn this before we got on stage and we were upstairs, you know, juking and jiving, you know, however she wanted. It. And it was meant to be something straight out of like an old timey Bollywood film. I was about where- to say, Webb is a man. Out of time. He is from the fifties. <laughs> like, what was she choreographing? <laughs> no, no, it was not. It, it was a lot of twirls, and and she's like, and she actually being a, a brilliant choreographer. She's like you, she made sure that my steps 
or very <laughs> um she's like you just stand there and i'll take care of you know what this is supposed to be <laughs> smart woman like, you, you just stand there I'll, absolutely <laughs> but even that simple gesture of standing there while something was happening around me was a lot for me to do <laughs> and so i just I, stand still don't say anything <laughs> don't move too much god webs just like <laughs> right so I, and again, like in the grand scheme of things, this probably wasn't the grand gesture that that a, a romantic comedy would have. But I felt like I put myself out there for her because I could have very easily been like, no, I have no interest in, in being up on a stage and dancing. Uh, um, but but I, I felt like for <laughs> yeah, her, you very easily could have denied your <laughs> bride to be. I don't no, feel like it. it. <laughs> well, she and that, that's the thing. This was kind of her introduction into the United States and into our like family friend circle. So I wasn't going to be like, no, you can't have this. But no moment. big deal. Just you know, who cares? <laughs> yeah, you have so, plenty of disappointment yeah. in the United States. Just, just start here. <laughs> You're arriving at a, a great time in our country uh, for disappointment. So. Her her visa was approved the day Donald Trump won the election, and so the and it was just kind of one of those. We need to get you over here right now. That's a that's a great buzzer beater, sir. That you have yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Clutch, so, you know, right she, there. I, I, I she's easily like my first relationship, uh, like proper relationship. Um, everything uh, up to her has been kind of like, yeah, I don't know what this is. So uh, well, it was the flings left and right throughout his life. Oh. <laughs> right. Oh, fuck boy. That's <laughs> no a... real relationships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? We're so, doing so well. <laughs> and so with her, yeah, I was like, all right, I'm willing to put myself out there, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me. Like I like the right kind of attention. Like I can get up on stage and give a spiel about crime scene or give a spiel about, you know, it's a like, film that I really all. like, <laughs> but I can't be like, Hey, let's all sing happy birthday to this individual. Cause it's his birthday. Like that makes me really uncomfortable. Like I don't like that kind of attention. And so, uh, being the center of attention in terms of like, Hey, this guy just got married. It's their reception. Let's all celebrate them. Like to me, that's icky. Like I, I don't, I want to be in the corner and text <laughs> Mike and Dave about how they won me over. Icky. <laughs> Talking to a bunch of children. You have to have that type of vocabulary to be a successful podcaster. Pretty Hereditary. Much. Icky. Icky. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> Colette's a pretty good mother, though. She's a real go-getter. <laughs> God. Yeah, All right, Dave. What, what about you? Any dancing stories or oh, playing no guitar dancing. at a talent show with uh, <laughs> children that you're the godfather to? That you're... <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, so, I mean, honestly, the first thing that comes to mind, like, I am no longer married. But when I was married, uh, one of the... The things that I put myself through was going with her and her family to a shooting range uh, and ended up uh, taking a gun safety course from an Obama hating nut job uh, and didn't and didn't say anything. Didn't start a fight. I mean, granted, he's got a bunch of guns. I'm not looking to start that fight. But, <laughs> That's true. But I didn't roll my eyes. Yeah. Natural keep... instinct for survival. That's what this sounds like, Dave. It doesn't sound like a conscious I decision. I didn't make it side comments. <laughs> you know, I, I went. I shot three or four different guns. I didn't tell her that, like, this is stupid and I hate it. And it was stupid and I did hate it because I'm a liberal. I'm a, like, West Coast ridiculous like liberal and i'm like why would i want to go to a shooting range this is stupid like i have no interest in this but i 
I bit my tongue. I was going to say I bit the bullet, but that seemed... <laughs> oh, oh, but, I, but I bit my tongue and just went through it because that's what you do in relation to something she really wanted to do because she grew up, you know, with a family that loved guns and she had gone to gun ranges and she missed doing it. So it's like, okay, I will go with you because you don't want to do this without me for some reason. I don't know why I can't just stay at home and you go to a shooting range with your your family in this weird gun night, but okay. So I went and did it, didn't complain until we got home, and then I let okay. all of it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Which is probably one of the reasons why we're not married anymore, because I just can't not complain. It's got it's to get out there. I mean, if you had done it on the gun range with a weapon in your hand, I would say that would have <laughs> quickened things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll come to your defense a little bit. Uh, well, I guess as you know, a liberal in Kentucky. Uh, I also, I've never expressed any interest at all. Don't have any, uh, to pick up a gun, shoot it. None at all. Now, after we with got the married, friends you hang out with some like, of my friends, yes, like just yeah. stashes of guns in their houses. Yeah. They have them no in reason. their floorboards or whatever. Like you're <laughs> going into fucking, I don't know. Don't breathe. That's not like, a, <laughs> by the way, that is, that is not him. alongside their jars of semen and piss and whatever else they've got in there uh even podcasts with some of these people so uh no is that with the moonshine you'll be okay okay. just make sure you grab the right jar that's right we're we're covering the entire states like and i'm and i'm a liberal out on the east coast and it would make sense that again my unfamiliarity with guns throughout my entire lifetime means now i work in a field where I'm pretty much like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. So part of my job is you have the most realistic tendency to maybe be interested in it because it is involved exactly. with your job in one way or another. And me and Mike are like, nope. Yeah. I pretty much <laughs> handle guns on a weekly basis, and and I have no interest. And I and I've shot guns before, but yep, no interest in owning guns. No interest in like any of the uh, relaxed. A mindset of the NRA about that. <laughs> That's a nice um, way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> the relaxed right. mindset. A gun in every hand. <laughs> That's, That's going to get to, uh, I'll, I'll just quickly get my uh, my own little embarrassing grand gesture out there, but that kind of goes with how I really wanted to wrap up our Christmas-themed episodes, especially with Webb. <laughs> the was, NRA? Uh, <laughs> not the NRA, I guess, but it, it would be like, you know, maybe tangible gifts you could give your friends and family, which <laughs> apparently none of us will be giving firearms. Uh, but uh, on the subject of dance, I will say also wedding-related that, um, and Dave is probably thankful for this, having attended the wedding, there was <laughs> an idea that was sort of being pushed by my mother uh, mm. As like, you know, she <laughs> is a big reason I love movies so much. And she took me to see Pulp Fiction when I was 12 and like way too young. Oh, man. And she that's one of her favorite movies, one of my favorite yeah. movies. And so she was really encouraging me and Brittany for our first dance to be the oh, contest. to yeah. do. Yeah. And there was the some wins. small amount of practice involved that, thank God, was never filmed. <laughs> I would say the grand gesture here was my wife saying, like, you know what? Let's not. You don't. You don't have to. <laughs> I will say that she made a pretty good Mia Wallace. She had it yeah. mostly down, especially the like hair shaking in the face. She had yeah. that all down. Please thank your wife for me <laughs> that she 
Well, (laughs) Dave has a pretty good, you know, film Twitter presence. And I'm like, well, that would be the end of my podcast. As soon as he breaks out his phone and starts recording this. (laughs) Just fear, fear of my Twitter presence. This is what stopped this. That's good. I like it. I'm thinking, maybe I would have been a terrible PR person because I'm like, that would have been exactly what you need to get over to the, you know. Well, you and your nine followers would have loved it, Webb. I know. That's not in the holiday spirit at all. At Webb is trying. <laughs> Twitter handle is, is dead that very, very apropos. <laughs> and we are at Grand Gesture Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I personally think these two fit perfectly together as far as the <laughs> masters of their craft. Is that? <laughs> well, see, that, well, that's the thing. I, I worry because it's like you guys never post anything about Funko Pop. So I was like, all right, okay, I can. I feel like I feel comfortable buying a Funko Pop because I, you know I, we I, don't I, have them. <laughs> exactly. It's like you have no interest. It's like. Yeah. Here, take this thing you have no interest in. <laughs> well, the, I think the problem I have with them, I don't have a problem, but like, it's something, uh, it's like an extreme version of Harry Potter. That it's like, I, when I discovered that this was a thing, there was already like 6,000 of them. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, I was like, you can get one for anything. So I know yeah. people, I guess those unfortunate bastards who started like collecting them initially. And I just uh, that that's a habit. I, I, but I like my my Brady, my Hitchcock. I like my <laughs> nothing <it> <laughs> nothing but the elite in Funko Pops. I've got one, more, one more thing: a uh, a bobblehead that I bought for myself fifteen years ago. That even uh-huh. at the time, my friends made fun of me for, and you all will as well. But I'm gonna show it to you now. Oh, good lord. Actually, I cherish this. That's some nerd-ass shit right there. I can see it already. Is that a Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck Daredevil bobblehead. I adore this thing. (laughs) And it will now sit in the middle of Mr. Brady and Mr. Hitchcock. (laughs) The best of their craft. (laughs) Oh, my goodness.